0: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association.
1: Now joining the Big Show, Senior NBA
0: writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick, on 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
2: Sam, how are you, sir? I'm good, guys. Good to be with you as always. Thanks for jumping on with us. Uh, get your thoughts on uh, on a heck of a game we saw last night between the Jazz and the Suns. Jazz didn't make their threes, but they pushed it to overtime. It was really—I uh, thought it was a great game.
0: Yeah, it was a fantastic game. I was telling a, a colleague today that if I'm being honest, you know, it's the longer I'm not in the arena seeing as much live basketball as I would like, and really not any just yet, you know, you uh, the game doesn't feel the same. You don't end up. Enjoying it to the same degree, but that one kind of transcended, uh, you know, the, the at-home dynamic. I mean, I was glued to the screen and enjoying it. Was was happy when it was overtime because I meant we got, you know, more free basketball. That I'm a high caliber, so fun stuff. Um, I mean, if we're kind of going through takeaways, to be honest with you, I think. I mean, for the Jazz, it you know, it's just another game, and they played well, and, and they're playing well in general. But for Phoenix to kind of have that kind of poise and send a message that uh, that they are not only going to rack up wins against the lesser teams, but to compete with a team like Utah, I thought it was quite a statement game by them.
1: You know, I, I guess, uh, Sam, it, we've seen so many games through the years where the, that intensity isn't always there. It's nice to see two teams that are trying to prove something, you know, and not right. only are they – at the top of the uh, the Western Conference, but they they're trying to show everybody what they got, and so you get them uh, playing really hard. So that, that's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's also the, the one thing they can both teams can relate to is that even while you know while Utah's been competitive and considered one of the better teams in the West for a lot longer than this Phoenix team that has come out of nowhere, um, they are both getting quote unquote disrespected to an extent and to a point right now where you guys know there's kind of that narrative or that idea that well it's it's nice that Utah's on top and everything and Phoenix is uh is right there, but when the Lakers get healthy and when the Clippers really turn it on and even Denver now is I think, you know, getting a lot more of, of the kind of credibility conversation around them. So it felt like two teams that are tired of being told that that they're not, you know, Quite the caliber they think they might be, and and trying to to put on a, a good show, and they certainly did that.
2: Sam, I, mean, I want to ask you about the Suns and how they play. Um, you know, we we see with the Jazz, they want to get shots at the rim, and they want to get threes, specifically corner threes, and avoid mid-range shots to the point where um, Jordan Clarkson has talked a bunch of times about how that's really how he's changed his game. He's cut out his mid-range jumpers. And you look at the Suns, and they take a lot of threes, not quite as many of the Jazz, uh, but they're all about the mid-range. They're they're kind of bucking the trend and having a lot of success. I guess you think it'll work long-term? What do you think about the Suns going against the grain?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of part of the Chris Paul experience. You know, they already had a fair amount of that with Devin Booker, um, you know, but Chris is just, you know, he can shoot the three, but he's not, you know, he's not one of those people that has kind of completely changed his game to reflect the time. And, you know, with good reason. I mean, he can get to any spot on the floor and, you know, and for him a lot of times in terms of the analytics, the one thing that gets overlooked is that it's not just a matter of, you know, trading twos for threes. But it's you know an open two in the mid range for Chris Paul is an extremely high percentage shot. Same thing for Devin and some of the other wings. So um, you know I don't know. I mean could it be an X factor that might you know kind of preclude them from getting a little farther in the playoffs, or and maybe one day you know winning the whole thing. I don't know. But you know I mean right now the the evidence kind of speaks for itself. You got the second best record in the league and. And and offense is certainly not a problem. I think they're, like, sixth in the league right now. So, you know, they're doing fine on that end of the floor.
1: Sam, I wrote a column today that dealt with a three-point shot, and the Jazz obviously depend on that. But last night they were 11 of 44, which is 25%, which is well below what they normally average, and that really cost them in that game. Uh, So I went back and looked to see uh, what effect – Depending on the three, has on teams in the postseason, and all the data I could find said that yeah, the percentages drop a little bit in the playoffs, but no more than two-point shot percentages drop, and I thought that was really interesting. That surprised me a tad bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it shocks me. Um, we still, you know, we're kind of guilty in the league and just around the league, I think, of having, you know, some kind of um, mentalities or urban legends or just schools of thought that aren't necessarily tied to to reality. So I kind of give you credit for trying to suss that one out and see what's fact and what's fiction. Um, the first thought I had, though, is like, you know, the, the one recent example that people would certainly bring up is, you know, the Rockets missing 27 threes in a row against the Warriors when they were on the brink of kind of upsetting their dynasty. And So we have, you know, times like that when you say, "Okay, you know, just go to the rim and stop chucking it." But they they said it on the telecast last night. That's not today's NBA. I think that Mark Jackson was saying that. I forget if it was about Donovan or Devin. um, I think it was Donovan because he was not shooting real well early on. And his point was that back in the day, as his coach, you'd be telling him like, "All right, you know, you three for 11." Shooting a lot of, of outside, let's get to the rim. But now it's like just you know stay true to your identity, and not that he, I mean he gets to the rim plenty, but you know go, uh, just have confidence and keep shooting it. So I mean that's that's where it's at these days. And the Jazz, as we've seen on most nights, are gonna you know shoot the heck out of that thing, and that's why they have however many twenty-plus point wins. And, and you know they have not just had the best record in the league; it's been an incredibly dominant run. And, uh, you know, I'm very curious to see six weeks from now if, if it does translate to
2: the postseason. Sam, I apologize if I asked you a similar question when you joined us on trade deadline day because you were nice enough to jump on with us that day, which was awesome. But the uh, Trailblazers are in town. And uh, tell us a little bit about what Norman Powell does for them. He's six games in and has played pretty well, but uh, how does he make them better?
0: I mean, it's, it's another threat, you know, they – they need to obviously uh, take pressure off of Damian Lillard. I mean, that's their main problem. It's it's a little bit like, you know, the Warriors before they got Kevin Durant, even though Klay Thompson fantastic. You know, it, it had reached a point where Steph was still uh, so transcendent that the opposing defenses were just keying on him like crazy. So for Portland, especially, you know, when they have injuries, you know, being without C.J. McCollum, for so long, another winning player that's going to draw a lot of attention. Norman is just a third guy that I think they hope is going to take the offense to another level and to allow Damian to, to keep growing his game. I mean, as great as he is, I still think that he's got room to grow when it comes to playing off the ball. When it comes to you know playing with a guy like Norman Powell, where you know maybe if if you don't have everything run through Damian to the degree that it does and maybe they can get a little farther in the postseason. Um, so, you know, he needs to be that guy. Uh, I'm curious, in the in the summer they're going to have to pay him, and part of the thing with him is, you know, you never know what a player's hopes, will, you know, how they'll align with, with what teams have in mind, but he's he's definitely gunning for a pretty serious payday when free agency comes around, and, and because the uh, the Blazers gave up Gary Trent Jr. to get him, you kind of assume that they're willing to, to pay whatever it takes.
1: I want to circle back on Damian Lillard a little more Sam uh, he's obviously we've been watching him since he was playing at Weber State here has he surpassed it's interesting to hear you say that you think he can get even better uh is it uh, has he surpassed what your expectations were for him? I mean this year over 29 points nearly eight assists a game p of uh over 30 what do you make of that
0: uh, I mean, yes, he has been better than I thought he would be, uh, although I definitely thought he was going to be very good. He's one of the few guys for me. I mean, you guys know my style well enough. I, I don't, you know, my my style of coverage is not scouting heavy. I'm not necessarily an action you know, old guy. So Damian is one of the few guys that, you know, if you ask me, like, all right, which players did you kind of have the foresight to say, you know, this guy's going to be better than people realize, Damian's one of them for me, and mainly because I went to a a workout that he put on uh, heading into the draft. They they did it in Oakland, his hometown, and uh, I was the only media member there. And I just could tell right away that this guy, as far as his motor and his level of seriousness and professionalism and intelligence and maturity and all those things, like, he was incredibly impressive. You know, I did an interview that day, but I also watched his workout for – probably like an hour uh, and it was a pretty memorable workout just in terms of intensity and you know and just again his engine Um, so I knew he'd be good but you know not only did I not know he'd be this good but the way that he has you know kind of stubbornly stayed in that same market and tried to get the Blazers over the hump and and been really loyal to them as a team and and not you know at any point in the last three four years he could have Told his agent just go ahead and ask for a trade and the Blazers would have been put into a tough spot and he's not going that road so um he's, in, he's incredible man I think he's a, a just a huge plus and a bonus and a positive you know impact on the league uh but yeah I do still think he can get better and it's interesting because they've had some uh matchups with the Warriors over the years and you talk to Warriors people who do you know they got the utmost respect for Damian but for me, those are the—that's the group that has always kind of been in my ear about Damian and how, like, ironically, if he picked up a little bit more of what Steph does off the ball, that that would be the kind of wrinkle that would make him even more dangerous.
2: Sam Amick with us from The Athletic. And uh, just you and uh, John Hollinger have been working on the free agency files at The Athletic. And just to give a quick plug, I would encourage everybody to go read it. You guys break it down beautifully, right down to who's going to have room and who's not and uh, who's going to be out there, possibly, of course. Uh, But somebody that you have on your top five list is Mike Conley. And he's had an all-star season and he's played great. Uh, Talk a little bit about Mike and what kind of market might await him if he chooses to go out there and really test it.
0: Well, I, I gave my guy, John Hollinger, a hard time when we did this project because I admittedly, I, I started doing the project solo when I came up with the top five and then realized that John, you know, I, I like working with John and he's better on the cap stuff than I am. So I looked him in and, and I said, hey, you know, take a look at the top five. Um, I said, I got your guy, Mike Conley, number five, and I'm assuming you're going to want to put him number one because <laughs> John worked. John worked with Mike. In Memphis, John was a, a member of the Grizzlies front office and just absolutely adores Mike uh, as a person and, and as a player. And so uh, but we stuck with number five. And, you know, I think the way um, that we framed it, and, you know, kudos or, I guess, uh, appreciation to, to Austin, the super producer on the show who had texted me saying he thought that we kind of hit the nail on the head, is that, you know, Mike has made it real clear that he wants to re-sign in Utah. It's just a matter of the the finances. Um, You know, with the Jazz having new ownership and, you know, a chance here with Mike to have, I think, a a run at title contention for the next several years, it it would seemingly be a no-brainer. But, you know, signing Mike to a big-time deal is going to put them deep into the luxury tax. And so that's the only if to me. I'm not hearing any noise as of yet about Mike, you know, kind of looking at greener pastures with other teams. But that being said, it's free agency, right? So with the way he's playing, the way he's shooting the ball, the way he's still showing that at his age, you know, he can play at a high level and and he's rediscovered his game over the course of the past year. I mean, he's going to have a a market. It's an extremely uh, strong, like kind of, for lack of a better way of putting it, like an old head point guard market. So, You know, it's it's Mike Conley, it's Kyle Lowry, it's Chris Paul. Um, There's a lot of guys like that 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 are going to be available, and and I think Mike certainly is going to get plenty of attention.
1: Sam, it's interesting to compare the top two teams right now in the West versus the top team in the East and how they were constructed. You just mentioned Mike Conley. Obviously, the Jazz got him. The Suns got Chris Paul. But those teams are kind of homegrown teams, and when you look at the Brooklyn Nets, it's kind of the exact opposite there. I find that contrast kind of, kind of compelling.
0: Yeah, I'm with you for sure, Gordon. And I'll be honest; I had this thought yesterday. You know, I'm getting, I'm starting to get really itchy in terms of, you know, one to get out to the arena again. I'm kind of sick of watching hoops on on TV only. And I was thinking ahead to the playoffs and the finals and the idea. Of what if the Nets won the whole thing and, and I was thinking this as I was watching the the Nets-Pelicans game and you know it's nothing against them but I, as a writer I'm kind of sitting there going man like if they win the whole thing I'm like what is, the, what is the story like there's no struggle there's no there's no kind of you know organic like let's say the Jazz win it you got a hell of a story there you know what I mean You got a a team that has been through a lot together that had to, you know, had to kind of hit their head against the wall several times in the playoffs. Uh, There's a lot of other teams like that out there. You know, I mentioned the Warriors before, you know, when I covered their championships, even the Cavs. I mean, LeBron James going home, that's a heck of a story. Um, The next one is not all that compelling to me. It's just a bunch of really incredible basketball players who found a way to, to team up. And if they get it done. You just tip your hat to them. I don't think it's the kind of stuff that they're going to be making movies about. Um, but they're good. You know what I mean? they keep, you know, games like yesterday where, you know, they get to ramp back, but they don't have James Harden, and they're still out there just absolutely, you know, dominating a Pelicans team that that on some nights looks pretty good. Um, you know, they're they're going to be dangerous, and I do think it's certainly in the cards that they go win the whole thing.
2: Sam, you're there in uh, in California, and uh, well, we've been following obviously the Jazz with fans. They've had some fans in the building for the whole season. They're up to Austin. What is it like? Fifty-four hundred, I think something along those lines. Fans per game, obviously limited. Um, the state of Utah mass mandate is is being lifted, I believe, this Saturday. But the Jazz have announced that they will continue with the with the mandate at their games. Just curious about the California teams because I know uh, they're trying to get back to normal in June, right? I mean, that could be. Could there be fans in California arenas uh, by the by the summertime by the playoffs?
0: I think so. Yeah, I, I looked into that the other day. And the sense I get is that for whichever California teams are lucky enough to be in the playoffs, which I guess technically speaking, all four are uh, still in play, the Lakers and Clippers will be in, uh, Warriors and Kings are on the fridge, um, that like 30% capacity is probably what they would be looking at. So, you know, if you go in my neck of the woods, if the Kings made it, um, you know, I'm terrible at math, but. That would be roughly five or six thousand fans. Um, so you know, it'll be it, it'll be a fan element with some noise and, and some excitement. And I think one thing in the media that that, that we're guilty of overlooking, and, and certainly I am, is like because I was never an elite athlete, elite player of, of any kind. And I'm just owning that. It's just true. I wasn't like I, sometimes I don't think we quite understand what the fan presence means to the players. And, and now that the Fans have started to come back. Um, I've noticed, and I've tried to pay attention to the fact that it really does seem to energize these players, and even their post-game comments and things they have to say after the game. They, you know, they get a kick out of it. And it's a weird time now because you've got small crowds. Like, and I'm sure you guys saw this moment last night with the Nets. I thought it was pretty cool. Like um, Kyrie gets. Uh, we never see Kyrie dunk, and Kyrie has a dunk that based on his size is pretty impressive and is in traffic and he finishes and before he even hit the ground he's pointing to a certain part of the stand and they showed later that it was his family and his dad sitting there and his sister i think um and it was it was just neat you know and that's a, that's you know another version of the fan interaction component so yeah i think you know it'll be nice as long as everybody's able to, to stay healthy obviously uh yeah, i'm looking forward to and seeing these games with some people back in the buildings.
1: So you said, Sam. This is kind of a personal question, but you said that uh, you're looking forward to getting back in those buildings, like you just said. Is the family? Uh, is the are the wife and kids ready to get you out of the house and get a get, a, get, a, <laughs> get a, boot you out a little bit? No,
0: nah, we just we need a balance, man. It's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it'll be good to get out again. But I, I told my editor the other day, I was like, man, don't. Don't get it wrong, like, I I don't think I'm going to travel like I used to when we get on the back end of this thing. I think I've learned a thing or two about, you know, Gordon, you can relate to the writer experience where, like, when you run out of ideas, the knee-jerk reaction is, All right, I, I need to hit the road, you know, and that's always, like, the first tool you reach for in the tool belt, so to speak. But a year of a pandemic, finding ways to be productive, and and have some kind of impact with the coverage while being forced to stay home uh, has, has, I think, added a few tools to the tool belt, to be honest. And so, you know, I am looking forward to getting back. I don't want to be back uh, in quite the same capacity as I was before. But uh, I also just look forward to, from a media standpoint, we're not clear yet on when we will get to talk to players again in person and when some of these restrictions will get lifted. So I'll feel better once we have clarity there, because even though I can go to a game now, but I'm still sitting up high and maybe say hello to a few people in the media who I'm friendly with. But, you know, we're we're not to that point where we can go do what we do just yet.
1: I don't recall whether I've ever told you this story or not, uh, Sam, but uh, I remember long ago back when the jazz were making those deep playoff runs, I'm thinking late nineties, uh, I ran in at the airport, I ran into Chris Sheridan, who at that time was a basketball writer for, I think, the AP, wasn't he? And he had, I, I, he had, he was hauling this thing through the airport with about 10 bags stacked on it. And I looked at him and I said, Chris, what are you doing? And he said, I haven't been home in seven weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, right. I thought, That's that a whole kid, lot I of mean, travel, man.
0: I mean, right as I say that, it's going to be a busy summer um, because I think if I had to if I had to predict it, I'll probably travel a fair amount for the playoffs, and then um, I'm tentatively planning on going to the Olympics too. So on the back end of the playoffs, then it'll be off to Tokyo, uh, which you know that'll be a, a wild experience. So even even saying that out loud gives me kind of you know, I've got a little anxiety rush because I've been home so long. Like, wait a minute, what? Like Tokyo? That seems like another planet right now <laughs> based on, you know, how the last year has gone. But we'll you know, we'll get there. I just I can relate to the Sheridan story. Um and you guys know we talk about it occasionally. I got two young kids who are not always gonna be young, so as far as silver linings go over the course of the past year, it's actually been kind of a blessing in disguise to, to get this kind of time with them.
2: Well, Sam, thank you for spending a little time with us. We appreciate it, and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, Shannon. Appreciate you. Thank you, Sam. Our friend Sam Amick from The Athletic, and uh, he and John Hollinger, their their piece on the free agency is, is extraordinarily useful. I would encourage anybody to, to get on there and check it out. Uh, like I said, uh, Hollinger kind of goes through the cap room, and then Sam puts in some analysis with, uh, with the players and who are out there. But it, it, it'll it be an interesting offseason. Um and not that we're trying to fast forward to the off season, but it, you know some big <laughs> names could could move teams or everybody could stay put and there's only a few teams that actually could sign somebody with current cap space um, as it stands now so could be Here's could a little, be a crazy one
1: uh, a little tip for you Jake um, after the jazz have lost two straight and are facing a tough opponent tonight uh, right, could lose three straight. Maybe us talking about the off season isn't the best idea.
2: Well, hey, listen, <laughs> I, I'll tie it to the here and now. Mike Conley has been a huge part of what this sure. Jazz team has accomplished this year, and he's going sure. to be an unrestricted free agent. And as Sam said right there, the, the all indications are that he'd like to stay, that he likes it here with this team, but the Jazz will have to get a little creative maybe to find the dough to keep him here because he has played so well.
1: I mean he's not cheap.
2: Right, or uh, I don't think he'll be worth thirty million dollars a year.
1: So, so where um, where would you put that number now?
2: I I I mean I honestly have have no clue. It's not thirty though. He's just he's just not yeah. going to command that kind of you know at this point in his career. But I mean he's he's probably in the low twenties, high teens. I mean he was an all star. Yeah, I, it depends. I mean is he is he going to go for a one year payday? Is he going to try and stretch it out and have this be his kind of last contract? I mean, I think some of that depends on what he wants. So um but the way he's played this year, I would guess that the Jazz will try and, and do what they can to to stay in the mix for him. Now if he does find a team out there that's gonna give him thirty mil a year, I mean that's gonna that's gonna force a real tough decision on the jazz standpoint or you know, from a jazz standpoint.
1: Yes, yeah, no kidding. So Well, if it wasn't that long ago, remember after what happened last season, people were talking about, ah, oh, trade him, you know. <laughs> Funny how times can change. quickly.
2: Well, we'll see what kind of market's out there for him. That's kind of why I asked Sam that question the way that I did. Cause, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, the Jazz certainly could get priced out of it. But, you know, if if they figure out what he wants and are able to take care of him, it sounds like he just assumes stay here and likes how this is going. So, And why wouldn't he? He made the all-star team this year. He's playing great.
1: Yeah, he seems to like it here. And that that's one of those questions that you and I talk about a lot, Jake, about where do you draw that line between of priorities? I mean, would you be if you really like it the team the, the and the influence you're having on your team, you can tell the jazz players all respect Mike. I mean maybe every player respects Mike. He seems to be one of the most well-liked players across the entire league, but he likes playing with this team and he likes his influence on it as well. And so if that were the case and it were you, would you be willing maybe maybe to stay and, and get not necessarily a cut rate uh, deal, but one that is maybe a little more economical for the Jazz And it would be where you might be able to go off to, you know, uh, play in, in uh, you know, Detroit or something?
2: Um, well, let me, I'm trying to decide how I'm going to answer that because I don't think it's quite, it's, it's quite so like, like, let me put it this way. If you're Mike Conley and you like playing here and you know, you're really only going to be at this level for another year or two, but the jazz come to you with a four year deal and it's going to be light up front and really heavy on the back end, because uh, we know the salary cap will eventually even out as we get fans back and the pandemic uh, hopefully comes to a close and they get back to business as usual and the cap gets back to going up as opposed to staying steady, you know, what I can, I would absolutely consider something like that. But would I just take a short term low ball contract because uh, I like the climate in Utah? Probably not.
1: <laughs> but you could ask the same question of the jazz. Do you want a, uh, a longer term heavy at the end contract hanging around your neck? Right. When Mike might not be right. as effective as he is now.
2: But say, you know, he gets to, he get an average of 20 from another team. Do you say, OK, Mike, we've only got 10 for you. But when, you know, you're not quite so productive and have trouble finding a contract on the open market, we'll still be paying you more than you're worth. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. right. I There there. There is no such thing as a hometown discount. <laughs> uh, I know people like to wave that term around quite a bit. I don't think it exists. But that doesn't well, mean you can't sign a friendly contract with your team and figure out a way to make it work and that's what i think that they'll they'll try and do
1: and if he weren't motivated then you know he might not uh even consider some of those things but to quote uh, the great villain ursula life is full of tough choices
2: isn't it all right we'll have more big show coming up stay tuned 97.5 and 1280 of the zone